of Young Heroes called The Animorphs. Hello, and welcome to Middlemorph Millennials, the podcast that I started to force my friends to read Animorphs so I could yell at them about hive insects. My name is Morgan. And my name is Kate. And my name is Jason. And we have a correction. Uh, yeah, actually, we do have a small correction from last week when we were talking about Cassie. California history. Yeah, yeah, it was California history. So we're, uh, Cassie mentioned that her farm was in her family since the Civil War. And we were debating if that meant like that her farm could still be in California, or if it could possibly be in another state, I was thinking maybe in, in the south somewhere uh, along the Gulf of Mexico, because then it would correlate to them being able to be close to the ocean for all their morphs. But we were asking, I had stated like California I didn't think was a state um, by the Civil War, and actually it was for 10 years. So in 1850, California oh. became the 31st state uh, as a non-slavery state to be added to oh, um, yeah. America. I remember that now from U.S. history. California, always ahead. <laughs> well, okay, but... That being said, it should be noted that there was slavery in California before it becoming uh, a state and for some years after of the indigenous people and um, African-Americans that were brought by um, Southern slave owners during the gold rush. Yeah, we, we weren't. Nobody was great in 1850. <laughs> Not really. No. And then uh, the Civil War started in 1861 um, to 1865. Yeah, the North one. Fuck y'all racists. <laughs> Racist, beaten by other slightly less racists. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but I get you did bring something up about their location. I think this book does uh, definitively lock down the region in the in the U.S. That oh, it is. And this and... book is, we haven't said yet, uh, book five, The Predator, which is Marco's first book and our kind of like last book in the first cycle. So we've gotten to talk, hear from all the kids except for Axe so far. And he's a kid, quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bizzithree calls him a kid, so. <laughs> well, like, what's his lifespan? Is it, like, you know, 20 years and it's yeah. still, like, a juvenile? Or, like, is it 50, 100? Oh, my God. Okay, so I had this question, too. Um, Morgan, I don't know if you can even tell us this, but I do want to know what a Yerk lifespan is versus, like, an Andalite lifespan. Like, I am curious. Yeah, we'll get more info on Yerk lifespans later. I bet Axe's book has so much background. Yeah, and we're going to have a lot of background from his. I, I'm pretty sure Andalites is just like, they live about as long as humans. We're going to make this easy. <laughs> Convenient. Yeah, and this book um, is the gorilla book. And I have always thought that this book should be the ant book because they had a bad it's the time. New yeah, it's a new morph that they all do. And they had a super bad time and they never do it again. Because it was a bad time. So I think it should have been the ant book. They should have saved the gorilla for 45. Everybody who's read the series knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, I laugh nervously because we obviously don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the gorilla book. However, it was originally going to be a lobster book. because They do morph lobster once and then never again yeah. as well. That one's also frightening. Yeah, I know Marco like is the one that's really like complains a lot during the series, but his book actually ends up being like that. Oh, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's so. the worst shit they've gone through so far. Uh, and as like tradition with the other four books, the first four books we've had, we do have a moment where everybody's like, "We're gonna die." 
<laughs> oh my god! I was lost. like, <laughs> uh-huh. "Why do I see it coming every time?" Of course they get. Of course the plan goes around. Is there like an Andalite <laughs> therapist that can help these kids? <laughs> I know, right? Or any therapist, really? Yeah. Um, okay, so as tradition, I'm going to start my camera and I'm going to show you guys the cover. But you've probably seen the original cover. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, the bottle for Marco, <laughs> not <laughs> the haircut. Um, yeah. And I also posted a link in the chat for the uh, not the cover that didn't get used. The outside of the book says, what you see isn't always what you get. And the inside says, monkey see, monkey do. Okay, so Marco, for fans at home, it's him obviously changing into a gorilla on the cover. I would also like to note, so here's... Oh, Okay, so the not yeah. used cover artwork crab is Marco people. turning oh, into a lobster. <laughs> That's frightening as hell. Yeah. I do not care for lobster. But I think it's the same act. It's the same, yeah, model. It is. You can, it's, a better, it's a better angle, yeah, though. Yeah, model. and a better, better facial expression, too. Because in, yeah. um, in the one that they went with, he's got this weird, like, not smile. Yeah, like, it, almost like a, a failed DreamWorks smirk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, okay, and then oh here's God. the reprint guy. How okay. old is they he? Also, oh my God. Right? Kate, right? I'm That's like, the 25 year old. Yeah, right? he's at least 17. I'm pretty no, sure I had no, a senior no. that looked just like him. Oh my God. Older or than that. Older? You mean, a high, you mean high school for like Hollywood movies and TV yeah. shows like Glee, which is Yeah, a lot. yeah. So you have a 30 year old <laughs> playing a 17 year old. Yes. <laughs> Nobody's that hot and developed in high school. No, okay. it's pimples galore. Okay, we'll get there in a second. I've got something later in, the, in to note. But by the way, I think also this, again, I will probably address this when it comes out, but this book actually I think was a really like subtly illuminating about a lot of the questions we've been having. Mm-hmm. Um, like location, ages, and like other things. I'm like, okay, I like I feel like I now have a better understanding of like this is, this is their world. Yeah, and... We get more answers, like I said, once we get Axe's book um, later. Before we get into it, I did have one or two questions, kind of like me pondering back to so far since we've read book one through book five now. Why, one of which is like the Yorkpool uh, cave that they originally found from book one, why haven't they gone back to find the new Yorkpool and demolish it? Did that get explained at some point? They just have been busy with other stuff. well i I feel like they tried they tried looking for the doorway of the school and the doorway was gone that too like they filled in that doorway so they're like well there's tons but we have no idea where to look so i think they're just like and i think they also realized like what are we gonna do it's it's not like a swimming pool we can just like drop a boulder in or something or slosh all the water out they're like what are we gonna do it's huge it's like its own city underneath the city so that's my thought and they do go back uh soon okay i just like if york pool is like the number one thing to be able to like work out and um attack their weakness just follow a known controller to you know the york pool every three days and you're gonna find it anyway that was one thought two is hypothetically if the kids (laughs) capture a york controller and keep them from getting to the york pool for over three days what would happen to the york would it die or would it like actually come out of the host's body like is that a way that they could help cure and help people or is it just yeah but it would be such a slow process that and so risky too because if they if that controller escaped or if the host got reinfested 
then they would know. They, the Yurik has they access the to the memories. Yeah. A. And B, you are exactly one book ahead. <laughs> Patience. <laughs> We're too good. I know. This. You guys keep predicting things and asking questions, and I'm like, wait literally one week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then I had uh, one prediction, which is they're going to have to do that to Visitor 3 at some point, which is like when Visitor 3 Yurk is like in the pool, they're going to try to rescue that Andalite host. Well, the interesting part is does Visitor 3 go to the pool in their town or does he like cause he be in There's space? There's one on the spaceship. He's probably on the blade ship doing that, and it's probably way security. Like, like Darth Vader yeah. own little, you know, donning helmet room. <laughs> because he can morph, so Alaron, uh, his host can morph. <laughs> you don't know his host name yet, but we'll get there. Anyway, sorry. I'm trying not to say we'll get there too much because I know that's super annoying, but <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there. There's 64 <laughs> books. I can't summarize all of them at once for you guys. <laughs> okay, sorry. So those were my ponderings. Let's get into the book. Yeah. Uh, Jason, you good to, to do the first part? or? Okay. Yeah, I can do the first part and I'll just try to um, keep it concise. Okay, so obviously it starts out with, my name is Marco, but I can't tell you my last name or where I live. Shocker. <laughs> but he actually starts out a little interesting. He's like, well, maybe my name is Marco Jones or Williams or Vasquez or Brown or Anderson or McCain. And now let's just stop right here. I don't want to be on too long of a tangent, but these names. I wonder if they were updated between old and new. Because oh, yeah, uh, Anderson, I'm like, oh, you've got uh, Anderson Cooper. I'm like, okay. And then McCain is like that senator who was like are still like you know whatever your political alignment is not mine but at least he wasn't a super super shitty shitty one like we recently have <laughs> well they're all shitty so, but anyway yeah. yeah no it says in the new in the reprint it says jones williams vasquez brown anderson and mccain there are too in this book a lot of reprint changes because marco tends to speak fairly archaically almost like he's a comedian written by boomers from 1996 yeah so i'm gonna bring those up when possible but i can't bring up all of them (laughs) so marco goes you know it's the same thing we have enemies i'm in a paranoid world yada 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 (laughs) and all that stuff 7-eleven you know got a shout out which you know what's 7-eleven selling loaves of breads milk you know, of course they smell can't sell candy, but he's he's basically went out to the Seven Eleven late at night as a I'm pretty sure a middle schooler now and in a rough neighborhood, and he's walking home and he hears in an alley these younger like high school age I think ruffians trying to mug this old man, and he has just a moment and he's like okay he's gonna step in. Of course Marco's always like don't get involved, don't do anything, you know, stupid. But he 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 changes into a gorilla and hits up punks who are trying to mug this old man. One of them has a knife and he deals with that. That's fine. Another one then has a gun and he deals with that. But he's like throwing them all over the place, throwing dumpsters. He's actually doing, you know, a pretty good job. But the old man is still freakishly scared out by this gorilla who's obviously acting aggressive. So, you know... A hero's work is never, you know, often praised in the moment. Yep, but uh, he did a good thing, and you see that there's more to him. He's got, he's got, he's a little bit more of a hero than we thought. So that's basically the first chapter, and of course, then we like to start chapter other chapters when we come in and they're in a meeting and he's telling them what they did. And he's like, I felt like a superhero, which the superheroes were still, you know, contemporary Spider-Man, Wolverine, Batman. 
Yeah, that's kept the same, because they'll never die. They just keep getting remade. The perfect superhero would have been Beast Boy, but, you know, not very well known, (laughs) I think, until Teen Titans. They're at Cassie's farm, because that's where Axe is safe, where the wild things roam. And, um, you know, he's, you know, telling what it is. Rachel's supporting him. Other people, of course, aren't. And he's like, wow, Rachel's supporting me? This is weird. (laughs) They're doing this. He's, um... There, he talks about him and Jake's relationship a little bit more, and it's nice to hear from Marco, who's usually very humorous. That he he does really seem to appreciate Jake's friendship, which is I think nice. And again, you know, talk about Jake and Cassie, but shh, we don't talk about it. <laughs> I also I like how he described Cassie. He says Cassie is the one who's the least like me. If I'm comedy, she's poetry, and I thought that was cool. It's like he does appreciate Cassie. You know, he's just a hard shell humor guy. He just, he appreciates it's her. It's his coping mechanism. Yeah, he's Chandler. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, and then later he says, according to Cassie and Rachel, Axe is cute. I wouldn't know being a guy. And I'm like, uh, let me introduce you to a little thing called being gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, like also like, hello, like you, things are cute. Your dog is cute. And yeah. Things, things are cute. I'm like, oh, look at this like 90s, like stereotypical masculinity mm-hmm. can't like, even admit thing. it yeah. like, i'm like i'm like come on we're not here for this <laughs> like <laughs> things are cute oh you won't call your girlfriend <laughs> but yeah so he does that and um he does talk about rachel i was i know i thought from book three that maybe marco had a crush on rachel but he doesn't really talk about her in that sort of a way well, he says she's a total babe but he says unfortunately she's also crazy so <laughs> like every every book calls rachel a supermodel like that's not like any different so there's there's that and uh you know of course we find out more explicitly that you know the reason he sort of jokes more about tobias more is just because tobias his fate scares him and that again humors his coping mechanism Mm -hmm. and i don't think these people are you know maybe gen z in this decade could be like (laughs) a little healthier bro that's your that's your coping mechanism come on let's talk about this (laughs) (laughs) like so there's that. So they have this idea, and they're going to try and take a York ship so they can get Ack home and hopefully get the Andalites more into, you know, gear to get them back. So that's going to be the overall big mission, obviously, stealing a, a, a York ship, which should be super easy. Super duper fun. Okay, I just want to pause and say this is one of their more stupid ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when I first heard it, I was like, Oh, not like I was like, oh, it's not, it's dangerous. I was like, oh, to me, it didn't sound like too stupid. I was like, yeah, get Axe out of here, get him. They're like actually get him to get the, the more dangerous thing is letting him still run around behind Cassie's farm, like possibly getting spotted by hikers or something. So I think it's like a risk benefit analysis. Yeah, because <laughs> they just can't keep him around forever, and because he can only be in more for two hours too, so he can't be a person for very long. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's their big that's plan. their big thing, <laughs> um, and we all know how their plans go swimmingly. And, yeah, no problems. Yep, I mean, like a yerk and a yerk pull. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a very niche uh, analogy now. <laughs> yes, you're turning it to me. Excellent. <laughs> And it's cool. We get more dialogue with Axe too, in the more casual setting. And he's uh, it's it, he's interesting in the sense it's like you know he's like they fight for honor. I think you see the analysts definitely have their own sort of like culture to it, but it feels like he's not taking it as seriously as the kids do in the same sort of way. I, th- it's, I think it's because his it's like his mission is personal, but it doesn't come off as very personal until later. Yeah. Well, he specifically says 
yeah, he's like, I fight for honor. And then Marco's like, honor doesn't mean shit. We're just trying to live. Uh, and he's like, have you ever been in a battle or, or a fight at all? And, and Axe is like, no, <laughs> I haven't. So his his engagement with battle at this point is purely theoretical. Yep. Axe is, yeah. <laughs> so he's gonna, he's going to get his uh, feet wet, which is which is good. This actually comes up to some of my favorite parts, but we'll get into that later. So they have to build a, a distress beacon, basically, for, for the Yerk ship uh, to lure it and then capture it, take out the hork and the Taxon in it, and then um, get Axe back out in space. Yeah, because every bug fighter is like the smallest Yerk ship, and it only has one hork and one Taxon in it. So they're like, well, we could do that. Take that out. Yeah, yeah that's fine. We get into basically it's now Saturday, it's the weekend, so they, they're going to go to the mall to buy parts. They say Radio Shack and then Circuit City, and I was like, oh, aren't both of those out of business? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so I, 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 I was going to look this up. So in the original, um, at, they get to the mall, and they're going to Radio Shack, and Jake says, okay, where's Radio Shack? And Marco's like, it's on the second level by Sears. And, yeah. and then, <laughs> yeah, I know. And then Jake is like, is that it, or is that a Circuit City? That's the original. And in the reprint, he says, is that it? Or is that the computer place? <laughs> <laughs> like, who sells it? They could at least been, like, Best Buy or something. But <laughs> Yeah, right. So another thing, too, is that they take the bus again. Yeah, fly. Fucking fly. fly. <laughs> because, and, and then later they're like, well, uh, to get to the mountains where we're going to lure this bug fighter, uh, you're going to have to acquire a bird morph. Is that okay? And he's like, yeah, perfect. And it's like, you couldn't have done that to get to the mall so that you would have less time, like, more time in morph but whatever. How theoretically exhausted are they between morphs? Like, uh, are they gaining more stamina so they can go from one morph back to human and then to another morph? Because it seems like they're being able to do that more now throughout the book. Yeah, and I guess Axe has the least uh, morphing uh, experience at this point, because that's not really, like, a thing that they just do all the time um, unless they're in battle. It's really really surprising that uh, Axe as a morph doesn't seem to have any alien morphs. Like, he, he doesn't really seem to have acquired much. It would have been helpful if he got some of those big monster morphs like Bizzer 3. <laughs> yeah, as, as Andalites, like, what about on your homeworld? Don't you have other ants? Like, can't you, like, haven't, aren't you just acquiring through your entire life? Right. Yeah. Like, well, they get the morphing power when they join the military, essentially, and they do one, uh, like, test morph while they're basically in basic training. Uh... Um, and that's pretty much it. Okay, so that goes uh, my theory of a baby Andalite, like, in a, a sort of, like, uh, crib or something like that, and it's turning itself into some sort of ginormous monster <laughs> and freaking its parents out. Right. Although, write that fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> that babysitter. Uh, Andalite of uh, Night of Hell. <laughs> yeah. They've, they've, got, they've got, like, two boys, two girls, and an alien. There is... You can mix and match so many <laughs> Although these are children, so any any shipping shipping has to take place with adult characters, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, it takes place uh, during the beginning. Thank you. That's what the last book is called, yes. the beginning, because of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, it's like also like Axe is weird. He, he talks really weird and they're trying not to draw attention. They make a big point. In the beginning of the book, we're going to want to like not draw attention to him, and it's like again, you could have flown there, demorph. <laughs> I just I don't know. It's it, and like saving their money. I don't know. I don't know. It, they seem to all like being birds. Axe is like, yeah, these birds are way better than your stupid human bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Burn. <laughs> so they uh, axe morphs, which by the way, remember everybody, he is a combination of um, all four of the animorphs. Yeah. 
So Marco's like, he's really familiar. <laughs> and it's weird. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to do that. They're timing it all to make sure that it all works out. They're more of time, which Axe can tell intrinsically. He does have that internal clock, which is uh, going to be nice so they don't have to carry that watch around all the time anymore. Oh, but it was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Little hawk watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And Marco, I think, does a really much more detailed job describing the morphs. Maybe just because the morphs are a little bit more Uh, crazier in this book. But he does not. He definitely, I think it it resonates with how he feels about morphing in general. But they do not paint pretty pictures this time. But nothing too bad with Axe morphing into human. Um, But we'll get that into the future. So they're going. They got to the mall right on time. Jake says, so far, so good. And Marco's like, no. Why did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's like we're in a book or a piece of media what or could something. Go wrong? Like, <laughs> exactly. Cue lightning and rain. So they said the mall was a zoo, wall-to-wall people, definitely not COVID times. Yeah. Old people moving really slow, married people with babies and big strollers, high school kids trying to look cool. And this is what made me think, I was like, okay, he referred to them as high school kids trying to look cool, which a high schooler could say that about other high school kids, but it sort of, to me, came off very like more like middle school outside yeah. of that group. Mm-hmm. So like I think I think they're they're they have to be eighth grade. I think they're eighth grade, which is thirteen, fourteen for our non-American yeah. audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'll try to. Uh, what is that? Secondaries? I don't know. I'll ask us me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think this is. I think we've finally locked down their age group. Uh, basic mall trying to find the Radio Shack down by the Sears, or is it the Circuit City? <laughs> That's awesome. But they lose. Axe because axe, I guess a human, because you know how people, uh, the animals describe animals and their sort of instincts. You know, the dolphin was playful, the flea really had nothing, the cat was sort of a hunter, the rodents are more prey and fearful. Um, yeah. Humans, I think, maybe are, I think their thing is curiosity. Or attention Ooh, span is theory. super short. <laughs> yeah, short attention span. Yeah. And, and food. <laughs> And sugar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so I think I think that's maybe like what our as humans they don't really realize it because you know they've you know grown up with it. Yeah. So they lose him and they're just like, Oh god You know, they're having a small freak out. But they find him and he he's over by a Starbucks. Yay for updating. Well actually so I have something for this. In the original it says over at Starbucks, you know, the coffee place. What? <laughs> how, how old is Starbucks? Uh, I just looked it up. It's uh, it was founded in the seventies. Yeah, so what? so it's like in the in the original. Well, when did it franchise? Oh, uh, I'm sure nineties. I'm sure the first place they franchised was malls too. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, I thought they were honestly like a two thousand like five like oh, thing in the oh, reprint. Wow. Um, Kate, did it say how much the latte he orders cost? Yay. Let me check. Okay. Gonna, I have the books uh, in front of me. Double latte decaf. Uh, three fifty-five. Oh my god, it's two ninety-five in the original. <laughs> I know. It's so Girl, a double latte? That's like a six dollar drink right there. Whatever. Yeah, it's Starbucks like I was like at least four ninety five. Also, when do they ask if you want calf or decaf? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you have to say. But yeah, I thought it was really funny that the original was like, oh yeah, you know, the coffee place. Starbucks, you know, the coffee place, in case you're not familiar with Starbucks, because they're not literally everywhere yet. And then in the reprint, they were just like, at Starbucks, you know, Starbucks. <laughs> Everybody knows Starbucks. <laughs> well, they're obviously going to the first Starbucks that's in Seattle. So that's exactly <laughs> where we're located. Ah, uh, interesting. <laughs> Evidence. 
where were there Starbucks in 1996? <laughs> we could do, yeah, do a map. Cross-reference with our animal map. <laughs> Somebody do it for us. <laughs> um, but Axe keeps sounding out all of his words, which I would hope would be adorable, but reading it kind of just gets annoying. Yeah. So he's, he's <laughs> um, not used to speaking with a, a real mouth, you know, because he's used to thought mm-hmm. speak. This also means that he's not used to taste. Tasting, which he loves coffee, which as a uh, body of a preteen <laughs> slash early teenager is interesting that he liked coffee immediately. It's interesting that this is the first thing that he tasted and then he doesn't like go crazy. But then later when he tries other food, he goes crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. Because coffee is like, oh, this is interesting and new. And then he tastes something that doesn't taste like garbage. A scene that's coming up just, oh my God. If it was animated, it would just be so It'd be hilarious regardless, but animated, they could get really exaggerated with it. So, yeah, he he tastes coffee for the first time. He's not used to drinking or eating. I'm like, well, do they photosynthesize as, like... They eat with um, their feet. Oh, that's gross. (laughs) That is my first of two Fairly Odd Parents references today. Please look out for the other one. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh... They, 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 he's really loving, um, eating, um, but they, they definitely make it to, um, I think they actually, it is a Radio Shack, yeah. uh, which they, which they make, which is, Which um, I looked up, great. they do still exist. Yeah. And so we get some little, um, you know, uh, Andalite, Andalitian, <laughs> Andalodian, Andalodian, Andalite language, uh, Gartmoff and Fleer. <laughs> I think there's like a like a Futurama like from like a Omicron Percy Omicron Percy whatever Percy I eight, eight yeah. or whatever Percy uh, it's like a, it's like a skinning tool that they use for humans <laughs> and it's like a it starts with it's like a flurg or something but I sort of thought of it that. does sound very Futurama and then yeah and then a, uh, a Z space transponder <laughs> which is actually the the least alien sounding word. And they're like, yeah, transmit signal in the zero space. And they're like, what's zero space? And they're like, um, well, it's the non-dimension where light, you can travel faster than light. And like anti-reality. And I was like, okay, physicists, take notes. <laughs> <laughs> there's, called, there's an anti-reality called zero space. So that's interesting. So we're learning a bit more about, I guess, the science behind their space travel for aliens, which is awesome. Axe finishes his drink, and he's like, do I have to carry this around? And they're like, no, you can throw it away. And then Axe literally just chucks it at the cashier, (laughs) which is funny. And then they like, he's got a disease. He's got a seizure. He's basically got Tourette's. (laughs) And the cashier's like, whatever, he's leaving. And they're like, oh, no, goddammit, again. (laughs) So Axe is leaving, and they follow him to the food court, where he just absolutely goes wild, just eating people's food left on tables, <laughs> even while they're there. He's just shoveling it into his face and eating. Mood. Just... We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, no, right, yeah. folks? Just, like... mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to watch that, and then have to be like, grab that person away. Just It's... It's funny. He's like, taste, 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 which also, if you guys have seen the Demon Slayer movie, <laughs> Rengoku, tasty, tasty. But, so that's, oh, and a Cinnabon. I love to be a Cinnabon. I don't fuck. I love <laughs> me a Cinnabon. I hate that you can only find them in malls and airports. I love Cinnabon. For everybody out there, I love Cinnabon. <laughs> <laughs> and, it gets, and it gets a great shout For me, out. it's Auntie Anne's, which you can get the cinnamon, pre- the cinnamon sugar oh, ones. Oh, yeah. Those are good. Which I have to get those when they run out of the cheese ones at Comic-Con. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Comic-Con. You need to properly stop. <laughs> 
you know these people. <laughs> they come every year. <laughs> um, <laughs> so obviously, Axe's ridiculous behavior gets them in trouble with the mall cop. So Paul Blart is on their trail. They're running out there, and they're just trying to get out and out and out. And I think um, Axe, I think it's just really stressed out and starts demorphing, which in a very public place is like the worst case scenario. Yeah. Cue plan getting extra ruined. <laughs> so it all goes downhill from here. Um, uh, also, a uh, woman stepped out of the body shop holding a bag full of colorful jars. Bed, Bath, and Body Works. The body um, shop is the body shop's <laughs> also a place. Oh, I like Bath and Body Works. Yes, <laughs> that so is the more mall place. But the body shop is also a place for sure. Um, just, just wait. It's updated in years for Lush or something. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so Axe is beginning to demorph, and it's just getting crazy. I think he's just so stressed out, which I think shows his inexperience. And people are being like, "What is that? Oh my god!" Ah. So that's great. Things are going swimmingly. And one of the mall cops says, and if I can like, And so obviously now they're like, great, that's a controller. That is a human, your controller. So this is even going better. Yay. <laughs> um, so they escape the mall. There's not a lot of fan for, fanfare for it. They escape the mall and they hear sirens. So the real cops have been called, which we do know are your controllers. So even better. You know, it keeps getting better. They're running. They're running to a grocery store across the street. They don't give it a name, which is kind of disappointing. I would have liked to see what they they um would have put for I it. I think there's a Ralph Slater, which is weird because that's uh, we'll get into location stuff later. But so the cops there, they uh go, they basically surround the entrance and they're like freeze, and they don't, and they just <laughs> go through the big glass door of the supermarket, and they're just like, what are they gonna do? They're trying to freak out. Things are crashing. Customers are freaked out at uh axe still and running away marco starts yelling bomb bomb (laughs) get out get out so everybody leaves which is great uh they see a lobster tank and turn into lobsters (laughs) uh but not before hiding though they hide their radio shack gear in a in a trash can which i guess makes sense there's like trash cans by the meat counter or whatever yeah something i hope they do it like in the lining or i don't know they do it smartly um, you know, like sneaking alcohol. Well, their stuff is in a plastic bag, probably from the store. Yeah. Well, I just more like like aren't people supposed to like empty that every day as their job? Uh, well, are they <laughs> like, are they emptying it during a bomb scare? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but but I mean, we they they're in, so we'll get into this even more. I keep saying this, but we're going to get into it. <laughs> is that uh, so? They transform the lobsters. They get in there. It's a gruesome transformation. Marco is not pleased at all. He was like getting sick. Yeah, he was not. I mean, turning to a crustacean cannot be very fun. And just the, the extra arms, antennas, claws, eyes, and you're doing it scared, which is awesome. Exoskeleton. He's like, he's like, I think I started screaming and never stopped, but I had to have a mouth. So he's just like eternally like. <laughs> So the lobster brain is just eat, kill, eat, kill, eat, kill, which he was a little surprised by. They were, you know, so predatory-like. But um, he's trying to find everybody, and they thought speak. They finally sort of get a hold of each other, and they sort of take stock of where they're at. They're going to try to stay in morph uh, for as long as they can, but they actually end up getting um, taken out of the tank. Luckily, all three of them together. (laughs) You know, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They get taken out of the tank. They get put in ice, which, if you don't know, does make crustaceans very, like, sleepy, tired, don't really move. So you want them on ice before you kill them. So that's great. You're like, okay, they're now lobsters. They're now taken. 
and they're been in their morph like maybe like two thirds of it. No, no, no. They were like halfway through when they got picked up, and then they're at a home. They're getting taken out. Uh, Marco's like, I feel like I'm about to be put into water, uh, or like you know, basically be killed. And they just all, he they just all start screaming to each other and start demorphing in this poor woman's home. <laughs> and she's trying to make probably a nice lobster dinner, maybe for an anniversary or a birthday. Well, I'm wondering why. Okay. I'm not a parent, but if I had kids and I was getting a live lobster, I'd be like, sorry, kid, you're having hamburger. I'm not, I'm not giving you a lobster. Right? Buying extra for that? My dad, actually, for my birthday this year, and my and my mom, my mom, my dad and my mom, uh, uh, four live lobsters in the middle of my work. Day. Holy shit. <laughs> hey. Holy shit. Uh, that, was, that was fun that I had to rapidly sort of read up. I knew how to cook them. I've done it before, but like not in years, like more so to read up and be like, okay, I'm going to have to stop today. I told my boss, I was like, like, I have to deal with this. I'll be back later. <laughs> so I think like next two hours, like kill and cook some lobster. I did not feel good about that. that was Were bit. they animorphs, Jason? <laughs> or the only thing I've done that with was clams. And I was like terrified the whole time that the clams were going to like jump out of the bowl and eat me like <laughs> clamp onto my finger like a cartoon. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if everybody's listening, what I did is I, I did boil them with white and lemon, put them apart afterwards i will in some ice water like damp and dress a day um yeah. sounds but, delicious um, no it was good it was good and there was a lot there was a lot of it so that was um but it was a surprise just speaking of lobsters i was like oh god <laughs> here are have these pets you have to now murder and eat <laughs> well they didn't they didn't tell me they didn't tell me they were doing it so it was a total surprise and i opened this package like oh maybe they got me like a cake because i've gotten a cake before and it's like oh it's like covered in like something to keep it cool right. And I open it up. I remove the first ice pack because it doesn't tell you what it is. I remove the first. I open the thing. I remove the first ice pack, and then it's just live lobsters. And I was like, I put it back down. I was like, Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh my god! <laughs> so it was... might have had a different exclamation. <laughs> yeah, right. I was freaked out. <laughs> I mean, I was freaking out. I called my sister. I was like, You'll never guess what happened. <laughs> Okay, so they have only seven minutes left. They're about to get boiled alive, and they um, they they demorph and scare the wits out of this woman. Um, and she's like yelling and screaming, and they're like, "No, no, it's okay. This is a dream. This is a dream." <laughs> like, and it would also be really bad if you told anybody about this dream, right? Which is also really weird because she's seen their human face. Like, yeah, they live in the same area. I'm like, this is what like, are they gonna do though? Kill a human woman who just wanted to make some lobsters no. for her two also okay so bomb scare the controller cops go through the marketplace that doesn't shut down the supermarket for the whole day so like within 30 minutes somebody comes in shopping can buy the lobsters you know hunky dory get out of the store i'm just saying like i thought that would have closed down the the supermarket there for a while well also it was controller cops the controller cops were like nah it was just them yelling that thing so they could just be like oh it's just a kid doing a prank i bet well what's also interesting is like when they were like in book three with tobias and like visitor three was like they're like here and the animals are the birds it was like kill every animal in sight and these controllers are like here's an animal they could morph into let's not here's the only it. live animal in this place <laughs> right oh these yeah. ones don't have rubber bands on them weird anyway <laughs> <laughs> and i think i think it also like we can get into this later, but I think it also shows that like more about Visor Three and how he things versus how Visor One mm-hmm. handles things. Because you definitely get more of that later. But I think it, like like the lack of knowledge. I think I think it's it's from top down. Like yeah 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 for I, sure. You know they all sort of have the same. 
Same and they're thing. like, it's better to not say anything and not get decapitated than it is to like be like, oh yeah, I let the I let the Andalite bandits go and then get your head chopped off. Yeah. Okay, so this is a sad question, but just thinking about the fish counter, animals have to be alive for them to acquire it. Correct. Okay. Okay. That let let that's a less morbid rule. So we're we're good. <laughs> yeah, they can't just go touch a steak and turn into a cow. Inconvenient though, as long as the DNA is intact, you know, and a cell. I, mean, I know. I was on. just thinking. Yeah, just like the whole surf and turf counter. <laughs> Like a swordfish. Yeah, like a, a dark, <laughs> a dark loophole. Uh, but probably better if they don't go handling all the meat in the market to then yeah. find more DNA. <laughs> I mean, it'd be maybe Cassie can like if they feed any dead exotic animals, you know, to other animals at the zoo or just like touch it. <laughs> so uh, chapter nine, after their horrendous run in as. Uh, at the mall and being a lobster which uh, you guys should read that part it does not sound very fun it actually is more like this this is not this does not seem fun anymore yeah (laughs) this is things are consistently going terrible at every turn and plan marco's having a terrible dream you know after they morph they usually have bad dreams and marco did not have a great time with the lobster and so he's having a terrible morphing and um he's screaming in his sleep so his dad comes to wake him up and um, this part was so sad he's like i know he's like mom and then uh he's like it's like silence then no so it's like he just like was punched in the gut by marco saying mom and had to take a second yeah because this is marco's dad obviously him you know to wake him up so that's awesome um he was you know marco woke up in a cold sweat you know his dad's just like you know i guess you had a nightmare and marco's like i'm sorry i woke you up and he's like i but i wasn't asleep and we know this because marco said before that you know his dad basically stares all night he's in a really hard um place depression and mental state with this without you know his uh his wife dying um and so he does describe his parents here which is great so his dad is pretty tall which marco is not his dad is pale and has light brown eyes his mom was hispanic um with very dark hair and dark eyes so then we get a little bit more about um about marco's background his parents look like and everything and his dad used to be an engineer of some kind but i think aerospace engineer i can't remember but and now he works part-time as a janitor because that's, like, the only job that he can hold down. And that's why they live in this, like, kind of shitty apartment with, like, an empty pool in the middle. Like, think Veronica Mars's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a reference that every single person listening to this knows. <laughs> and it gets sad, too, because he's like, dreaming about your mom. He's like, no, I wouldn't be having a nightmare if it was her. Mm-hmm. He's like, I suppose not. And it's that's just so like, sweet. Aw. Um, so that's put a pin that's in a that moment. later for later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marco's book is actually one of my favorite books so Yay. far, despite him being my least favorite character. But he's growing on me. Yay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's got layers. He's an onion. Yeah. He's an onion. <laughs> or an ogre. <laughs> they never morph donkey. Sorry. No, but donkey. <laughs> um, so he tries to go to bed semi-successfully. So, but they just jump then to Axe finishing up the transponding device. It's like a distress beacon, essentially. But it is missing one crucial part, that Z-space transponder. That is great. So, you know, all that and they don't exactly help it. You can only get better from here. <laughs> 
Can't get any worse than lobster, right, guys? <laughs> right? Yep. So what they're doing is now they have to plan to find this sea space transponder. And they decide that they're going to have to go to Chapman's house again, if you recall from book two, um, where they were also almost captured <laughs> by Visitor 3, because Chapman is, you know, a, um, a York controller, and in the basement, uh, uh, Chapman controller talks to Visitor 3 um, via like hologram, you know, so he has to have a Z-space transponder, and the axe is like they probably have more than one in the device that they could and so they could take one and yeah it's like a redundant part so they could just take one and then he it would the device would still work they wouldn't get suspicious (laughs) convenient so yeah so that's that's the plan going back to chapman's but they can't be the cat because that almost went disastrously the cat was almost taken away or killed and melissa was almost made a controller and uh chapman's daughter and rachel's friend so that was just imagine like all this time like book three and four chapman's just sitting there staring at that cat the whole time (laughs) double checking if If you're an andalite you have to tell me He just talks to it as if it's an Andalite all the time. Like, just following it around, <laughs> threatening it. <laughs> and the cat's doing a cat thing. <laughs> yep. And so they're trying to be like, well, how are we going to do this if we can't do a cat? How are we going to get into this house? And Cassie has an idea. And Marco's like, don't tell me it's lobster. Please, not a lobster. And she's like, but what if it was much, much smaller? Smash cut to the next chapter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we find out that the idea is ants, as we've mentioned before. So um, at school the next day or a day, they're, they're really hazy on the time, usually, um, the days and stuff. So Marco bumps into Jake at school. Marco's in a bad mood because he failed this pop quiz in history class about the Mexican-American War, which is very, like adults trying to be like what do you learn in middle school (laughs) you don't it's u.s history in uh eighth grade so if they're learning about the mexican-american war it's probably fairly late in the semester so maybe like or the year maybe like march (laughs) well what do you think they get out do you think they get out in may or in june because i think i was learning about the great depression in 19 uh, in in, in march yeah yeah. when i was in eighth grade it depends i guess on your teacher jake they they had they were talking about ants and at the conversation previously they were having with axe when he was finishing up the the communicator thing and so then they started arguing about well black ants or red ants and jake when he runs into marco at school says the ants outside of chapman's house are black ants tobias checked so they're gonna do black ants which are just like your average carpenter ants that get into your sugar bowl on your counter and marco's like uh no thank you especially after the lobster thing and he's been having nightmares about that but jake also says like, we actually should do this ASAP because we need to get Axe out of here before someone sees him. Um, and Marco's like, listen, next Sunday is the two-year anniversary of my mom's death. And it would be a really bad time if I died, like, the same week of my mom's death. And if you guys don't remember, she took her boat out in a storm. And they found the boat washed up on a shore somewhere. Uh, but they didn't ever find her body. Again, put a pin in that. Because <laughs> if you remember, and I don't know if it was episode two or three, but uh, Jason had a prediction. <laughs> so Marco's like, I'm not going to do it. And he walks away from Jake. But then later he thinks, like, I can't let my friends do this by themselves. He runs into Cassie and says, tell Jake I'll do it. So we are at some other night's 
Um, we don't say what night it is, but they meet. The house next door to Chapman's house is for sale, and so it's empty, which is convenient. Put a pin in that for next book. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. Oh, God. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. Hang on. That's not next book. Give me a sec. But it's No, I don't think so. I think it's like in the 30s. Okay, that's a little farther ahead, Morgan. <laughs> and now I'm trying to think. But what also, maybe like a new family moves in or whatever, but I also like that like, it's some other night. It's like, like, how long has it passed since the first book? Like, do these kids not have like holidays or like vacations? Well, <laughs> like... we were talking about, uh, in a couple books, they do have summer summer vacations, so. But we just skipped over all the other holidays where they get a lot of time yeah. off, where they could do some serious unencumbered work. Well, didn't work? they say the other day that there was a three, the other book, Oh, the, the last book, there was a three-day weekend, but it was like a teacher in-service day. This one <laughs> might have happened, like, near the beginning of the year, like February and March or something like that. And uh, I, I, between these books, there's not a lot of weeks that are going by. It's kind of more like a several-day basis kind of span uh, for a lot of, like, attacks and incidences that they're doing. So, theoretically, it's only probably a couple, like, maybe a month or two now since they first got their powers. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like a week between books or a couple weeks, depending on what it is. Anyway, so they're inside this house. This next to Chapman's house is empty. They're all really nervous, and they all morph ant together. Which I don't think they say, but that seems smart because they're insects, so they gotta like make sure they stay together. And when the ant mind hits, it's just nothing. It's no individuality. They completely like lose their personality and are just like bring food to the queen that's all my my function is and so they all go and they start harvesting this dead beetle and tobias is yelling at them like you guys are human you need to get a grip and snap out of it and marco comes to first and he just starts screaming and then the rest of them are like oh shit that was horrible this is horrible already and nothing's happened just the mind sucks <laughs> axe is like what is this creature <laughs> Uh, yeah, this part when they when I was reading, I was like, I like, yeah, I was like, oh, this is that's terrible. Yeah. This this is not. This is the book really where I feel like I mean, last book we had Marco almost cut in half, so really from book one we're we're like <laughs> fucking hitting the ground running. But I feel like this is the first one that gets into like the horror horror of it all. Yeah, uh, and and it <laughs> like... doesn't stop <laughs> ever. <Yeah. laughs> so the the ants pretty much blind uh it can kind of see like light and dark and that's about it and it's really only concerned with simple smells like is this food yes or no check the box <laughs> like the note you sent to your crush in middle school do you like me check one yes or no oh, i was not brave enough to do that <laughs> no your friend would do it for you <laughs> oh not even that <laughs> um so they head across the yard tobias kind of points them in the right direction so they go through the dirt right because they're going into the basement so they first go through these dirt tunnels and then they get they're trying to find the wall to get into the basement throughout they're like this is the enemy territory we don't know what the enemy is but it's enemy territory it smells bad and at one point rachel sees a real ant and screams, but it runs away from her because it was smaller than her. And so they get through the cracks. They get into, like, they reach the foundation of the house. They go through cracks in the foundation and get into the basement. That home inspection's not going to pass very well. <laughs> um, and then Marco's like, I'll do more first because this sucks. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it should have been Axe because if someone was there, uh, he has, first of all, a weapon, a built-in weapon in his tail. 
Um, and second of all, he wouldn't have blown their cover because he's an Andalite. Yeah. But anyway, so he demorphs and they can't thought speak to him. So Jake's like, um, if it's safe, flash the lamp. And so he finds a lamp, he turns it on. And Jake's like, if you find or flash the lamp, if it's safe to demorph. So they do that. <laughs> Axe then kind of is looking around and he finds this cube and it's a computer. And he's kind of impressed that Marco kind of figured out how to use it because it pro- it's like a cube and it projects files into the air like a like Tony Stark's computer or something. And Marco like touches a file and Axe is like, oh, my God, you know how to use this computer? You're cute and smart. <laughs> <laughs> and so they look at some of the files and find out that Visor 1 is visiting Earth soon. Even if you haven't read it, you guys, you figured it out. <laughs> you figured out where this is going. Vizzer one's visiting Earth soon, and Axe also notes that there are 47 Vizzers, so Vizzer 3 is the third most powerful Vizzer, and then Vizzer, like, 47 would be the bottom of the list. Is he the mall cop? Yeah. <laughs> he the mall cop. Like, what is that on the scale? Like, how how powerful, like, how big of an army and what yeah, right? controllers do they have? Well, and they also have like... sub-Vizzers, too, which are kind of like the lieutenants, so they're... Definitely the drill sergeant types but yeah so they figure that out they grab the transponder and it's about the size of a pea so they remorph and kind of push it down the tunnels and they're surprised because the ants can lift things oh uh kate speaking of ants having super lifting powers do you want to talk about your research on ants yeah do you want to do it after the encounter (laughs) sure so they run into, so they're running, they're kind of like pushing it. They get out the basement wall, which again, crack large enough for a pee to go through. That's pretty big. Maybe you should get someone in there because that basement's going to flood when storm season comes. <laughs> so they're pushing it like Marco and uh, Jake are out front kind of clearing the way. And then everybody else is pushing, the other three are pushing the transponder. And all of a sudden the walls look like they're alive because there's ants everywhere. Enemy ants who are from a different hive and they just start tearing they just attack they just start tearing them apart literally ripping them limb from limb marco starts feeling one ant sawing him in half at the waist and he's like nope i'm not dying like this and starts demorphing (laughs) it feels like he's being trapped but then he bursts out of the sand next to chapman's house uh fortunately he was not still in like the basement wall he was in the dirt that was my first worry i was like are you literally in a concrete crack you are demorphing i was like that's gonna be fun oh god yeah (laughs) and yeah so they all demorph rachel's like stomping the ground down and marco at first says like she stomped the ground down to make it look normal but then later he's like says that she's stomping the ants i mean ground (laughs) because they're all like die ants die yeah they're all okay they're all traumatized and they all go home to end the chapter, Marco says he got a book about ants that said if ants had nukes, they would end the world in a week. And he's like, I didn't think it would take them that long. And I was like immediately thinking of the roaches from Fairly Odd Parents that are like, world domination. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's funny because the book that quote is from is actually cited in the front of the book, the original copy. Oh. So uh, that was fun because it's like, let's see, let me find it. So the book is called Journey to the Ants by Bert Holdobler and Edward Wilson. Copyright 1994 by University Har- uh, Harvard University Press. So oh. in case you're wondering. Um, another thing about since like the stuff of the book is covered in this book, how you said it said monkey see monkey do. Gorillas aren't monkeys. They're <laughs> yeah. <ants>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> different. I also noticed that. <laughs> it was the 90s. Nobody cared. Do yeah. you want fun facts about ants now? Let's do it. What do we know about ants? <laughs> so there's more than 13,800 different species of ants that are actually known and categorized, but it's estimated. And they all live in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> it's estimated there's actually 22 plus thousand species in the world. So ants evolved from uh, like wasp ancestors, actually, in the Cretaceous oh, period. That makes sense. And <laughs> they've diversified uh, after the rise of flowering plants. Um, so I thought it was so cool that ants have evolved a freaking long time ago and... Uh, they, they knew what they're doing, and they're still around today. They're good at what they do. <laughs> so they're not hives, actually. They're colonies. And uh, the larger colonies consist of various uh, casts of um, sterile wingless females, um, most of which are workers. And uh, there's the soldier ants as well, and other specialized groups. So nearly all ant colonies also have some fertile males called drones, so that part is similar to bees. And one or more fertile females uh, called the queens. Colonies are described as superorganisms because the ants appear to operate as a unified entity, collectively working together to support the colony. The only places lacking indigenous ants in the world are Antarctica and a few remote or inhospitable islands. That's it. They're everywhere like even hawaii never had native ants to the islands but because of so many people yeah. coming and traveling uh there's a lot of uh ants there now that are killing off indigenous species but ants thrive in most ecosystems and they estimated they uh, may form about 15 to 25 percent of the terrestrial animal um, biomass oh my god guys <laughs> <laughs> i've i've heard it put like you know ants make up you know, there's more ants than there are people, whatever. I've never heard it put in terms of biomass, which is like the amount of biological mass in the world, which includes yeah. plants, right? Actually, I don't know if that calculation does include plants. But okay, so the total biomass of uh, of all the ants in the world is approximately equal to the total biomass of the entire human race. Um, so according to this estimate, there's approximately 1 million ants for every human on Earth, essentially. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, biomass is plants, animals, and... Um, fungus. Fungus. Yeah. So that's terrifying. Mm. What if they all decided to rise up and they just took human shapes and then we just had... Oh my God. I'm putting that people. in the prediction, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so we have like an Ant-Man kind of thing where they just like, you know, rise up and grow bigger <laughs> and just like take over everything. <laughs> Like the giant Wreck-It oh Ralph, God. and Ralph breaks the internet. Am I just too good at that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What if ants <laughs> took human shape? So ants don't have lungs. Uh, oxygen enters oh. through tiny holes all over their bodies, and then carbon dioxide leaves through those same holes. That's cool. Uh, and then ant colonies can be long-lived. Uh, the queen can live up to 30 years, and workers live from um, one to two, uh, one to three years. Um, males, however, uh, are quite short-lived, and they survive only a few weeks. Wah, wah. Did did anybody ever lick ants off the ground when they were a kid? You have something to share <laughs> no. with the class, Jason? <laughs> I did. I totally did. They tasted spicy. <laughs> I was like, I think I only did like once or twice. It was like a four-year-old. I mean, it is a delicacy. Certain ant species are like fried and or just eaten in various ways uh, around the world. So in Are You Serious, episode 61, 
we had a this crossover. We had a person whose boyfriend would not stop just eating ants off the counter. Like when he saw them, he would just be like, Bloop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and okay. they also, what gets me is they had ant traps out. They had poison sitting out for the ants, but he just still did that. It's like, no, well, that's not good. Cause the ants could be carrying the poison back yeah. to, that's, oh, oh, that's no. the point. Yeah. I feel like they're going to be on my strange addictions. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But yeah, our our thing was like buy him the crispy ants that or like chocolate covered ants or crickets or something. Buy him that shit that's meant to be eaten, and tell him you're worried about him being poisoned. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's concerning. Uh, ants attack and defend themselves by biting and in many species stinging. Uh, they often like inject or spray chemicals um, such as uh, formic acid. And, you know, we're familiar in the U.S. with fire ants. Uh, <laughs> they they spray and uh, have quite a sting. Yep. And then... The first time I went to Texas, I stood on a fire ant. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hive. Hive? Ant hill. Polly. Yeah. It was not great. I was 14. <laughs> uh. All right. So bullet ants are located in Central and South oh, America. Yeah. And they're considered oh, to have the most painful sting of any insect. Although it's unusually, it's usually not fatal to humans. Uh, but the sting is given uh, the highest rating on the Schmidt Sting Pain Index. That's why they're called bullet ants, right? People say it feels like being shot. It's like a bullet yeah. ant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's like the bullet ant and then the tarantula hawk. There's this guy on YouTube who like films him getting stung by like all these <gasps> things. Like, so the guy that originally... So the guy that originally made the scale, he's, like, doing it for himself now. So, well, the guy who originally made the scale, that's, he got tested with all of that. And so this other guy is like, I'm going to do that, too. And so, but he puts it on YouTube, so, like. <laughs> I ran out of breath to gasp. Oh, my God. <laughs> A scandal. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, I want to see it, though. My immediate reaction is, like, check that's stupid. Let me watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's weird. It's definitely Holy like entertaining shit. to watch. It's like the the hot, ch- the what is it? The wings, the hot wings challenge yeah. guy, oh, yeah. guy except yeah, yeah. stupider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and he catches them in like the wild. <gasps> That's like, cool. I like, have respect for that dude. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> it's like the crocodile hunter, but like way stupider. Wow. Uh, so there are ants that can be fatal. The sting of the jack jumper ant can take you out. And there is an anti-venom, though, that has been developed for it. Dope. Uh, some species uh, attack and take over neighboring ant colonies. Others are less expansionist. but Humans do that, too. Just being less <laughs> aggressive. Some ants like invade colonies to steal eggs or larvae, um, which they either eat or raise as workers or slaves. And uh, ants form symbiotic associations with uh, a range of species, including other ant species, other insects, plants, fungi. Oh. They also are preyed on by many animals and even certain fungi. So have you seen the fungi that um, can take over ants' bodies and um, sprout yes. from their head? Okay. That is good. what the fungus in The Last of Us, the zombie fungus in the cordyceps, right? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Or did you? Yeah. I, and I don't remember also, exactly what the fungi was. And also The Girl with All the Gifts, which is a book that came out like right before The Last of Us 1 came out. So yeah, those are both zombie things that involve the cordyceps fungus that takes over its host brain, which makes sense logically why people would go there with that. 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't only affect ants, it can affect other animal, uh, other uh, insects and things too, but so far I think it's only pertaining to the insect world from my understanding, limited understanding of it, but it's frightening as hell. Yeah. I think they have one for the frogs too, and then there's parasitic worms that do the same thing also for a variety of insects, it's really, it's all really gross. Fun times. <laughs> Yeah, there's videos of that too, by the way. So, <laughs> there's, you said symbi- ants form symbiotic relationships. I feel like I learned, and if somebody out there knows the answer, please DM me on Twitter. There's a video the game. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. Kate, it's just you and me now. <laughs> oh, I like the dad jokes. That's great. <laughs> I'll just take my severance pay. Oh, uh, never mind. <laughs> uh, um, but it was a video game that talked about how ants have a symbiotic relationship with a particular kind of tree, and you had to figure out how to how many ants to put on which trees. And I want to say it was Amazon Trail, which is like a more advanced version of Oregon Trail, except in the Amazon, or a, a tree ha- a, not Treehouse of Horror. That's The Simpsons. Uh, what's her name? <laughs> Miss Frizzle, Magic School Bus. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's definitely this video game where you had to put like ants on a particular tree, and I feel like it was maybe a flash game of like Magic School Bus. Okay, because anyway. I think I remember <laughs> that Amazon Trail game, and I don't remember that part. Yeah, I played it a lot. <laughs> I loved it. You learned so much about so many different species. I have to replay it because I feel like it definitely whitewashed how shitty Ford was with harvesting rubber from South America for his tires. But I'll um, have to, uh, I'll have to replay that. I'll play that on Twitch if you guys are interested. We can, cool, we can both play. Yeah. Oh God. We're all three. Anyway, Arcan- so all right, we're on chapter fifteen now folks yeah all right so the kids had a bad night they are pretty much zombies speaking of the next day that's what it says in my notes <laughs> the next day and marco's like it's really only a matter of time before one of us goes crazy like full-on breaks and he also adds that he knows it can happen because it happened to his dad when his mom died which just throughout this book is is referenced all the time and i feel like a lot of this book actually does happen in marco's head where he's just kind of talking about that oh yeah yeah. he's talking like just narrating us as the reader through a lot of stuff yeah and so they're kind of you know just kind of walking doing their day as best they can and marco ends up across from rachel at lunch and this bigger girl as in like bigger than rachel because they're 13 bumps into rachel uh, her name's Jessica. Jessica. Yeah. And bumps into Rachel and makes her drop her fork at lunch. And so Rachel's just on her. Like, she jumps and slams her against the table and is, like, holding her down. And Marco's like, I see Cassie. I see Jake. They're too far away to do anything. It's got to be me. So he goes and he gets in between them and he gets punched in the face for his trouble uh, by one of them. <laughs> And yeah, okay, Jessica. And so then a teacher shows up and smash cut to them sitting in Chapman's office. Chapman, the guy whose basement they were just in. <laughs> who's the controller? Yeah, who's the controller? Start, start the conversation. How's your cat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, I heard you had some trouble with your cat a lot, like a month ago. What? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and so he's doing this whole, what is the meaning of this? And it's funny because he's like, Rachel, I wouldn't expect this, especially from you. And Jessica's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Excuse me. It's like, I don't know. You're just kind of a bitch, Jessica. You know what's hilarious? is like, uh, 
Hey, York does a really good job of being like not like a good job invested. Like a yeah, for sure. <laughs> He's just acting like a vice principal, and for a split second. Marco's like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't think Rachel is stable right now. And I think she's going to say something that's going to give us away. So Marco's like, it's my fault. And he's like, what? And he's like, they were fighting over me, sir. <laughs> and yeah. Jessica's like, you fucking wish. And and Rachel's just <laughs> sitting there kind of staring yeah. ahead. But you can see that he he's she's kind of smiling a little bit. Like, just kind of a hint of a smile. And so Chapman yells at them tells them to make an appointment with the counselor and lets them go, which is just not good, not fucking good assistant principal. Like, sorry, teacher time. You need to make sure that they all know what they did was wrong and figure out why they're acting this way. Cause you literally just said that you don't think it's characteristic for Rachel to be doing that, which he does say, is there anything at home that's been bothering you? And that's when Marco like jumps in. But I thought it was really interesting the way that he's just like, whatever you were fighting, that's fine. And it's very obvious that this book came out before, like, Zero Tolerance. I I noted in my notes, this is both before 9-11 and Columbine. And so it really shows in some places, both of these series, or both of those events are have not happened yet throughout the series. So, anyway. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe the bomb threat would have been taken more seriously yeah. after 9-11. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because the, the book series ends June 2001. So this is all pre-9-11, but Columbine oh, happens in the middle of it. Yeah. 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 It's apt. So she wrote 64 books in... Oh, my God. I was a math <laughs> major for this reason. Uh, five apt. years? They do. To be fair, though, they're like sixty pages. <laughs> they're, they're super short. They are also... not sixty pages. They may be a little bit wider spaced, but they are usually like a hundred and fifty to hundred and seventy. Yeah. Thank you very much. Oh, sorry, my my P, my my PDFs are like sixty four pages. <laughs> um, also, most of them are ghost written. <laughs> <Sorry. gasps> there's a lot of gas. I know, right? <gasps> Um, and I'll let you know when we get to that point, but it's like 25 is the first ghost written book, I think. 23, 25, something like that. Okay, so they get into the hallway and Rachel's like, talks about how she admires kind of how Marco is, can always make something into a joke. And it's kind of like another moment. They kind of have some, or I guess they haven't really had any bonding moments yet, but they definitely do a lot in the series. Um, okay, so they have the Z-Space transponder. They have their distress beacon. They meet up. They make a plan that they're going to set off the distress beacon, the Yerks will respond to it, and then Axe can hijack it and go home. Hijack the ship and go home. So they have a location. It's a quarry outside of town, and so Axe is going to need to acquire Bird Morph to get there, which he chooses a Northern Harrier. Kate, did you do any Northern Harrier research? No, I was trying to find what page this was on, because I'm like, he found a bird, and it was a different species, so I need to add it to the species list uh, (laughs) so that we can do some research on it here, too, and see where its habitat range is. Sorry, guys. They are pretty birds. Who is a pretty bird? You are. I'm going to look at habitat real quick. Oh, cool. And if you guys don't know already, Morgan, like... I do like I'm a bird person. I am a bird person. Oh, shit. Yes. Uh, all of North America. Sorry. <laughs> That's not helpful. <laughs> oh, good. So this helps narrow it down a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so far, our like most distinctive species that were native are, you know, wolves being released into the area, which really limits it down. And then the green annelie. Everything else kind of listed is a little bit <laughs> larger. Yeah, pretty spanning. much everywhere except for 
like South Maine, Massachusetts, Vermont, and New Hampshire. Yeah. Well, also the sea creatures do factor heavily into possible yeah, ranges sure. too. We we are coming up on a good part too. Okay. Though, yes. Yes. So. Yes. So they go to the quarry. Oh no, sorry. They're, they make the plan to go to the quarry. The root breaks up, and Marco kind of waits for Jake to stop talking to Cassie. Wink, because <laughs> they like like each other, and. So Marco's talking to Jake, and he's like, this is going to be my last mission. I literally, like, cannot get hurt and leave my dad. Um, and I've done enough. And Jake's like, yeah, you have done enough. Um, like, I get it. That makes sense. Like, literally, he's the only person that his dad has. And his dad seems to be getting worse as time goes on as they get closer to the anniversary. Um, thoughts. Okay. So that Saturday, they set up the distress beacon, and they morph their battle morphs. So to remind you guys, we've got... Marco is the gorilla, Cassie is a wolf, Rachel is an elephant, and Jake is a tiger. And they have a cute little conversation about who could beat who in a fight. And Rachel's like, I could just stomp you all. And Cassie's like, come on, guys, we got to focus. And they're like, well, you're just mad because we could kill all of you. And then Cassie's like, as if. <laughs> and I really like how they kept that the same. It, as if isn't something that really is said anymore, but it's the same in the reprint. Which is cute. Oh, yeah, it is. By the way, I think the elephant could totally... Oh, yeah. The elephant could take all of them. Yeah. But Cassie's like, I, you'd have to catch me first, and I'd still be running when you guys are fast asleep. I was like, that's cute. <laughs> I, I like... I feel like uh, in the first few books, Cassie is a lot more like... Um, peacekeeper. Not Yeah, she's definitely a peacekeeper, but she, she's got a little bit more of that uh, competitiveness that the whole group has that kind of gets lost later in the books, but maybe I'm just misremembering. Anyway, so they set their trap and they wait. And a bug fighter comes down and a hork steps out. And they're kind of like, why isn't he looking around? He's just kind of standing. But then they go for it. So Jake and Rachel ambush the hork Marco, Cassie, and Axe go for the taxon pilot inside. I think, no, this isn't one Tobias Scoop's eyes. <laughs> what? No, but he does, he does that later. <laughs> and so basically they're like, great, we got this. We did it. We took out the taxon. We took out the hork But then, surprise, a ton of hork with dragon beams show up just around the edge of the quarry and kind of trap them in a dragon beam cage. And yeah. whoops. <laughs> it was I when I read this sorry when I read this I was like oh <laughs> I roll <laughs> of course it goes bad for the third time in this book <laughs> and like for the climax of the book itself but I'm like of course yeah so that that's it it was a trap it was a bad plan uh that's the end of my my section okay so do you guys want to know a few facts about gorillas before we get into oh, the last yes. part of the book Yes, I do. I want to know more. Everything I learned about gorillas, I learned from Mighty Joe Young. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Who starred in that movie? Oh, my God. Uh, She wasn't even that famous. Um, I mean, uh, I get all the young blonde women mixed up. I'm like, is it Helen Hunt? No. Is it Charlize Theron? No. It is Charlize Theron. (laughs) Isn't it Charlize Theron? It's Charlize Theron. (laughs) Holy shit. That movie was below her. Uh, in case you guys didn't know, it's essentially <laughs> she is Jane Goodall, except the gorilla is giant. <laughs> the gorilla is essentially King Kong, right? Yeah, he's just a, he's just King Kong. She's the blonde, you know, with she's a scientist. She finds him. He's not super giant. He's only like 10 feet tall, but not compared to King Kong, at least. Okay. Anyway, good movie. Not really. 
<laughs> I don't think I'll be watching that I just movie. Had I just remember VHS seeing the ads. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so gorillas are ground-dwelling great apes, and they inhabit the tropical forest of the sub-Saharan Africa, central sub-Saharan Africa. The genus is divided into two species. There's the eastern gorillas and the western gorillas, and subdividing from that, there's about four to five subspecies. Bonobos and chimpanzees are more related to humans, uh, and then it is uh, the third closest relative is gorillas. They tend to live in troops, uh, the leader being called a silverback, and gorillas tend to live 35 to 40 years in the wild, longer in captivity. Okay, I thought silverback was like a type, like a breed of gorillas. I didn't know that that was just the name of the leader. Name of the leader. Mm -hmm. Despite having a population as high as uh, 200 individuals, uh, gorillas are some of the still the most endangered species uh, in the world. So both eastern and western gorillas are classified as critically endangered. Why are they are they poached for? Yeah, they they are, are we just destroying their environment? They are many threats to their survival. There's poaching. There's the habitat destruction uh, disease also, and um, all of which threatens the survival of the species. Uh, conservation efforts, however, have been very successful in some areas where they live. It's just hard to really control a lot of those factors. Poach gorillas, like what for? Like some I bet other you it's some like fucking okay, aphrodisiac shit. But like, what part of it? Because like all of other animals we hear that are endangered and poaching, it's like like you know, it's using like a lot of like um, like weird medicine or like said aphrodisiac or you know, like for like trophy. Trophy hunting. Gorilla, like like what the fuck, gorilla? But um, yeah. And oh, continue. I'll say, and they are really smart. I was reading a story about the gorillas that had seen like vultures and how to disarm them, and then like they were protecting like the people, the people who worked to protect them. I like were warning them about it and disarming the the vulture traps. Oh wow, that's really. Oh yeah, I saw so, that. It was so cool. I was like, that is some that like usually don't. I saved you know, that like, one on Reddit. Apes have, <laughs> yeah, have like a huge capacity to learn, but like that was just like really cool about that. that so really apparently, cool. they're often poached um, because rich assholes want pets. Oh, that sounds like a not a fun pet. pet and then high end demand smart. for meat in urban centers, which among like the wealthy people are like, oh yeah, like just assholes who are like, I just want to say, fucking killed a gorilla or I ate a gorilla. Yeah. Stop eating. Bush meat, although I do live in a country with like a lot of like factory farming. <laughs> yeah. Stop eating bush hey guys, meat. Stop eating bush fun meat. Fun fact, <laughs> don't eat predators. It's actually really uh, increases your risk of parasites because the higher something is up the food chain, the more likely it is to get a parasite from something that it ate. So that's why you should also like tiger meat is really dangerous because there's parasites that can fuck your brain up so don't do it for that reason if you're an asshole who's like maybe i'll eat a tiger so anyway because because gorillas eat meat right no they a lot they don't i don't think they're like they naturally i don't think they naturally do but i think a lot of apes like can no from the short research well the the research i did this week gorillas as far as i know don't eat meat i know chimpanzees have in the uh, like okay. when they go to attack other uh, enemy chimpanzees, they've scalped and eaten their enemies. Okay, yeah, it says they mostly eat insects. Yeah, um, they, uh, gorillas are way more gentle than they're made out in the media generally. And uh, they'll do display charges and stuff like that, but generally aren't super violent. They're kind of like Hork-Bajir in that way. <laughs> 
Yeah, they like, very they can mess you up, but they'd rather they'd rather just go live their yeah. lives and do their thing. Yeah. Um, so wild male gorillas weigh up to three hundred to five hundred pounds, and adult uh, females weigh one fifty to two fifty pounds. Males in captivity can be overweight, and they can reach up to six hundred and eighty three pounds. Big winner. Oh my god, there's so much like <laughs> there's so much like, like us. Like <laughs> I mean, uh, so like... is my cat, but. <laughs> <laughs> like humans, gorillas also have individual fingerprints. Oh, gorillas, that's cool. isn't it? Uh, Aren't animals can... cool, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> the gorillas, uh, they construct nests for daytime and nighttime use, Aww. and the nests tend to be simple, um, just uh, accumulation of branches and leaves. They tend to sleep in uh, their nests on the ground. They're, they're young, nest with their mothers, but as they grow a little older, about three years of age, they start constructing their own nests and do it, and they make it initially close by mom. Nest building um, by great apes is now considered not to be just an animal architecture uh, finding, but uh, it's an important instance of tool use as well. That's cool. Yeah. That's kind of, it seems like similar to how andalites make their kind of scoops. Um, they're just like kind of dips in the ground, so. Oh, oh, interesting. Because they don't we, like roofs. Yeah, because they, we found on the dome, it was axe just running around in a field. Yeah. So that's like their natural habitat from my understanding. Yeah. And they don't wear clothes, so they don't have as much privacy as people, uh, humans. This is the species with the most advanced alien technology. <laughs> Except they didn't have cups, apparently. He was surprised by the cup at Starbucks. Fun <laughs> fact, if, if we can miss that part. Technological oh, innovation. I have a kind of a, some, an adjacent gorilla fun fact. What I learned um, the other day is the original Tarzan novel. Tarzan yeah. was not raised by apes. He was raised by a fiction, or he was not raised by gorillas, rather, like in the Disney movie. He was yeah. raised by a fictional type of ape uh, that only existed on this island off the west coast of Africa, which I feel like was both a way to avoid being scientifically accurate and perhaps a way to avoid racism, but hmm. maybe. I doubt. I haven't read Tarzan. I'm sure it's plenty racist. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it makes more sense too why the poacher guy, what's his name, Clayton, um, would also want to. I feel like that's like a, a even more of a draw too, instead of just like even the gorillas are cool and special, but like it's like oh, this one of a kind ape only found on this island. Yeah, for sure. Like hmm. I'm gonna hunt it and kill it and sell it <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. so gorillas, gorillas have 25 distinct uh, vocalizations uh, that they recognize within each other, um, many of which are used to primarily uh, talk to each other in their uh, group, their troop, through dense vegetation. So the fun fact on oh, wow. that is, is deep rumbling belches from them um, suggest <laughs> contentment and are heard frequently during feeding and resting periods. They're the most common form of intergroup communication, and I can yes. relate. <laughs> there's so many gifs and videos of gorillas like fucking with each other in like a very human way like eh, like tapping you know when you walk by someone in middle school and you tap them on the opposite shoulder as you walk by so they turn around and you're not there gorillas yeah. fucking do that they're middle schoolers <laughs> um so gorillas uh obviously are considered highly intelligent so we know of coco one of the most famous gorillas that was in captivity learned a subset of sign language and like uh, other great apes gorillas can laugh they can grieve have rich emotional lives and develop very strong family bonds and they also can make and use tools and think about the past and the future uh there actually has been shown to have cultural differences uh like um 
they, it was shown to have like cultures in different areas revolving around uh, different methods of uh, food preparation, and they will actually show individual color preferences as well. In Blackfish, they say the same thing about orcas with like cultural differences and language differences. Mm-hmm. Hey, people, animals are people too sometimes. Not all of them. People are animals. <laughs> yeah, we are animals. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> For sure. But also rest in peace, Robin. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> oh my god read it no it was it's actually my students because i i taught middle school in 2016 which means harambe bottle flipping and fidget spinners are like triggers <laughs> for my anxiety <laughs> and also overwatch came out so people used to call winston he's a gorilla uh they used to call him harambe all the time because it was right mm-hmm. after harambe which uh save that for book 12 think about harambe book 12 anybody okay (laughs) all right are you guys ready to finish up the book let's do it yeah all right let's get to it chapter 19 so visitor three shows up and he mocks the animorphs in thought speak saying i have you at last my brave andalite bandits why is he calling them bandits sorry just as me as a side (laughs) that's just the name that he's chosen steal shit I mean, they hit stuff and run away. They're more like Andalite gorillas, but... Like, like or, vandals. Maybe rebels? Yeah. <laughs> but bandits, it's not the... I don't think it's the correct, like, correct descriptor. Well, anyway, visitor... Maybe it's like a loss in translation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get that tattooed on my other arm. <laughs> uh, what? Andalite bandits. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Fools, do you think we never change our frequencies? Uh, he mocks them. And York, Axe said in a silent voice loaded with hatred. Visitor Three's main eyes focus on Axe. A little one, he said, surprised. Are the Andalites now reduced to using their children to fight? And Jake snaps at Axe through thought speak and tell him to shut up. <laughs> they cannot communicate to Visitor Three. They don't want to give away to him that they are humans. So Axe obeys, but he's seething with hatred. Visitor 3 remarks on how remarkable Earth animals are, looking at their morphs, and he wants to acquire some of their those animals one day himself. But more he importantly, shows again he's... that he's a cat person. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. likes, he really tiger, likes morph. The tiger. Like the tiger. He's like, oh my god, tigers are so cool. He's like the kid with tiger pose, like velvet posters in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny death machine, but bigger. <laughs> More importantly, though, Visitor 3 says he will be uh, taking them as prisoner uh, aboard the Yurk mothership and brought before Visitor 1. Someone we've never met before no, stares into the camera. <laughs> Marco and Jake uh, track the sneer in Visitor 3's voice when he spoke of Visitor 1, and they, you know, obviously do their whole Sherlock thing and deduce something. Yeah, they're like, they I don't probably are like not the other. best of friends. I don't think they like each other. <laughs> Surrounded um, by 100 Hork-Bajir, uh, the kids can't escape. Axe had used the wrong frequency, essentially, and the Yerks had laid a trap for them, as opposed to them laying a trap for the Yerks. They were led in their animal morphs um, into the blade ship, and Marco's, like, just kicking himself for getting caught. I I just kept thinking the next day was Sunday. My dad would go to my mom's grave alone. It would be a while before he would admit that I too was gone. Just like when my mom died, there would be not a body to be found. Just like my mom. Yeah. A little bit. So on board the ship as prisoners, the kids debate amongst themselves if they should demorph 
but they reason to each other um, and think the better of it. They would be in danger. Yeah, they're like, families. well, it's not. It's not over yet until it's over. Might as well not reveal that we're human. You know, if we're still alive. The blade ship uh, grows a window as they're flying away from Earth, and uh, so they can see Earth below them. And then the ship swings around so they can uh, see the them approaching the mothership. And this is like the mothership description. It was gigantic, three-legged insect. The center was a single bloated sphere. The sphere was flatter on the bottom. And from the bottom hung weird mismatched series of tendrils, like the tendrils of a jellyfish. Each one must have been like a quarter of a mile long. And around the sphere were three legs bent up and then back down exactly like a spider's legs. So Axe explains that uh, the legs are the engines, while the tendrils are weapons and sensors and energy collectors. That's also where the ship uh, board Kendrona uh, was located, where the Yurks have to bathe in the Yurk pool every three days to absorb the Kendrona rays. So even in the book, I kind of reread this a few times. So Axe is basically saying in the legs or in the tendrils, that's where the pool is. Morgan, can you Yeah, clarify? the legs are just kind of, I just posted uh, a link. This is the pool ship. And I just pasted a link to it in the chat. Uh, there's a Cyropedia page uh, for it if you're interested. But basically the, the arms, the spidery arms are basically where it lands. It's like legs. Whereas the tendrils are sensors and stuff, so they're just kind of hanging out like spaghetti down there. Which, uh, I guess, emits Kondrona rays to the pool that's on board the ship. I don't know why it needs to kind of be hanging out there to do that, but whatever. That's what they do. That's an interesting drawing. <laughs> huh. Okay. So there you go. Basically, there's a pool. There's a whole York pool on the ship. Okay. Are we going to uh, really, I don't know if we're going to go over it, but uh, about what they, how they were looking at the earth as they were flying away and how they did mention specifically um, uh, the Gulf of Mexico. They did. Oh, did they? I missed yeah, that. They, they, I was yeah. reading they, this like in bed at night. <laughs> <laughs> they they were specifically out. saying like, and there looks to be like a hurricane swirling um, uh, uh, in the Gulf of Mexico. I, I think Kate's right. I think they're, I, now I think they're in the Gulf of Mexico. I think they're definitely Southern, mm. Southwest. However, you know, counter argument, I do think they're seeing the whole of Earth out a window. So I think they are so yeah. far away from Earth that it's like, they're just in the Northwestern hem- like hemisphere quarter of the world. So I think that's it as opposed to them being on the Gulf of Mexico. I think they're just so far away from the Earth that they've zoomed out completely on North America. Yeah, and nobody said howdy yet either, so they can't be in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> or y'all. Rachel asks uh, why humans can't detect a huge sip like uh, the mothership, uh, and Axe explains simply that it's shielded. And the same technology of the Z-space transponder thing. <laughs> da, duh! <my> <laughs> Well, duh, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Axe uh, apologizes to the kids. He says, I'm sorry I brought you all to this. It's my fault. Marco wanted to yell at him, saying, yes, yes, it is your fault. But Cassie intervened, explained to Axe that they know it's not his or any Andalite's fault. They were trying to protect them, humans, trying to protect her. And Marco does say, Cassie said what we were all thinking. And what was, like, he does admit, like, it's not his best side that's that wants to blame Axe for this right now. Um, yeah, but he just yeah. prefers somebody to blame, which is understandable. It's a for sure, human yeah. inclination. Set the dock at the mothership 
in the docking port, they could see outside that Yurk troops, hork bajirs Taxons, humans, and two or three other alien species were running around in red or dark brown uniforms. The kids did some quick math with Axe, and they had about 48 minutes left in their morph. Very convenient. They waited to be marched out of the ship. Other troops were in different uniforms, came into the same uh, port, in the, the deck or wherever they are. They uh, These new troops are wearing gold and black. Everyone uh, then started to line up in rows, and uh, the Animorph kids were exited from the ship, and all the rows of troops around them were arranged by species, but the red uniforms and the gold uniforms were not standing together. They were distinctly separate. Marco, Jake, and Axe confer that it doesn't look like the reds, like the golds. And (laughs) Axe explained that each uh, visitor has their own private army with their own uniforms. Red for Visitor 3 and approaching uh, the Animorphs was the gold leader, Visitor 1. With whom Marco recognizes this person looks very familiar. It is his mom! Oh my god! (laughs) Jason, you predicted it. You keep predicting things. I, I think I think I consume too much media like, like <laughs> tropes and like, shit like, like <laughs> movies TV shows I watch a lot I consume a lot of media you guys a lot of TV shows anime cartoons I mean they all must sitcoms, be deriving movies, from animorphs Jason books, <laughs> right right video right. games I mean yeah well, I just like <laughs> I I I feel like a lot I mean you made the prediction in like book one so I will say I will stay impressed because if you guessed it halfway through this book like, there's signs, obviously, but if you guessed it halfway through the book, I would still be impressed, but less impressed. <laughs> but you get, you were like, oh, here's what I think. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. His um, mom is his is one. one thing at the, which is great for Marco. His mom's alive. There's hope. He now has his own personal reason to yes. fight, which I was like, finally, he's going to be on board. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, was, uh, you talking about the prediction is that at the beginning of this book, I was like, oh. Whenever it's like she was like, maybe like Axe's ship dome dropped on his mom. (laughs) (laughs) Two years ago? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, definitely. Almost everything is connected in this book series. Like there's no there's no coincidences. That was like my that was like my first thought, but it, it, not my first thought. Like it was to read the book. I was like, oh, maybe that's what happened. But I was like, nah. I feel like because they're both. I like I put that out, but I was like, that was so crossed my mind. I was like, maybe that happened, but <laughs> no. Yeah, my prediction was right. Uh, well, job. Kate guessed on two different occasions that Marco's going to turn on the group to save his family, or Marco's going to betray the animorphs. <gasps> Does this change your? prediction at all not at all i think he probably will still do that to save his mom at some point i think i think it strengthens it i'm with kate like i think i think it's going to be the reason why yeah yeah now there's motive to like Mm -hmm. uh, fuck all Mm -hmm. you guys sorry i mean like i care but i also like push comes to shove he's gonna go try to save his mom or yeah or visitor one strikes a deal or something yeah. Oh, with the like, an- it's just, a, it's just a yeah, like or with Marco, it's like if you turn in the animal, it's like I'll feed your mom. It's like why does Wizard One care about one human in particular? Yeah, except she's a fucking liar. Like why would she do that? <laughs> yeah, and we speaking of like pronouns, I guess using she/her pronouns, we pretty much use the pronouns for the host for the Yerks because Yerks don't have gender. It's like a side. No, they definitely have a rigid hierarchy of power. <laughs> yeah, correct. It's not based on gender. <laughs> Yeah, which is which is which is progress, people. Yeah. Progress. <laughs> <laughs> it's based on merit. Yeah, definitely the future liberals one. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was just thinking about how this series is inherently anti-capitalist. <laughs> Not necessarily, but we'll get there. <laughs> okay. Marco... Uh, in his gorilla morph, sat down in disbelief. His mother was alive, not dead, a controller, but not dead. Jake was quickly in Marco's head, urging him not to say anything, not to give anything away. And it's interesting, because this is like the what Marco did for Rachel when Rachel was, and they were in the principal's, or vice principal's office. He was like, I gotta step in, because Rachel's gonna say some shit. And now Jake's like, I gotta step in, because Marco's gonna say some shit. He's gonna be like, yeah. Mom! Yeah. Marco couldn't believe it. It could be her. Marco could hear Jake. He could, but it seemed to come from far off. He didn't understand it was his mom. His mom. Marco, that's not your mother. Not anymore. That is not her. Jake, it's my mom. Look, it's her. No, it isn't Marco. Not anymore. They have her. She's one of them. One of them. One of them. One of them. <laughs> Why? But one? she's alive. This is a step up for sure. It is. Uh, sorry, I should make a more distinctive voice for Visor 3. <laughs> Visor 1, Visor 3 sneered. You seem to have frightened the humanoid one. It's called a gorilla, Visor 1 said coldly. If you're going to be in charge of Earth, Visor 3, you should at least learn something about the planet. And take a human host body like you did? No, I think not. Human bodies are weak. I much prefer this Andalite host. Uh, uh, uh. Which definitely uh, sets into place kind of Visor 1 knows a lot more about Earth. Visor 1 knows about Earth. Visor 3 knows about Andalites. Like, that's that's why they're at the top of their respective fields. Like, because he has an Andalite host body and he knows a lot about them. She knows the most about humans. Yeah. Now, is Visor 1 Visor one because that particular Yurk is actually willing to go ahead of um, planets that they intend to conquer and go infiltrate it and um, be one of the first oh. to actually learn about a culture? And so it switches around its um, host's bodies depending on which uh, like infiltration campaign they're going into? No. <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's probably like what they've done yes, for, for exactly. the past and like and that builds up their army and it seems like what we see like Visor One's army like hit, hit her Horkbajur are like bigger and I think it's just like over time they as they accrue accolades they accrue army size and quality and and, and rank um, right the more they've done yeah. the more rank they get so. I just think Visor 1 just seems very smart, more cunning, and more flexible. Because Visor 3 is like, the Andalite is the perfect host. Like, I've got morphing. I am amazing. And, like, I don't need to learn about human whatever. Which obviously would have benefited Visor 3 if he learned anything about human culture along with his underlings. Which also don't. Yeah, because there was one point in, I think, book one where Visor 3 was like, are these animals supposed to be here? <laughs> like, are these naturally occurring animals? And a controller had to be like, uh, no. <laughs> you don't really find a, a just stray tiger in North America unless you're at fucking Joe Exotics. <laughs> so Visor 1, as a, a Yurk, never had a previous host before got this human host, Marco's mom. Uh, she, this, the human host have, not necessarily this human host, but a human host is where she gained, she achieved most of her achievements, having a human host. Oh. She was a low rank, so, she had a hork Oh, so she, okay, so this is not her first, the, the, uh, not the first host uh, that this uh, pos- year has possess- possessed. Yeah, possessing, possessing Marco's mom was not the first time Bizarre One came to Earth. So, is it they came to Earth and then left and then came back? I'm 
not or gonna how tell long you. Have they been working <laughs> uh, we will 100% find this out, but it's not for a minute. So hang on uh, yeah, for just... 40 books. Okay, Sorry. just wondering if Yerks can have multiple wow. house bodies depending on yes. how they go through their lifetime. Correct. So we'll we'll definitely find out more sooner than that when we get to the Hork Bajir Chronicles, which Oh my god. Did she did Visor One possess like an astronaut that was flung in the space and like something went wrong? <laughs> and... That sounds That's interesting. Why come to... What was that that movie? Oh my god, did I No, you didn't you did this time. But <laughs> okay, you're, you are just throwing shit all over the place. Um <laughs> I'm trying to figure the, out the when this, when the Hertfordshire Chronicles is supposed to be chronologically, but we will talk soon about the order that we're doing coming up. So, yeah. Okay. okay. Visitor 1 slash Marco's mom uh, and Visitor 3 square off. Marco's mom curled her lip. I took a human host and learned about the planet and the humans. And because of that, I was able to begin an invasion that you have now endangered with your criminal incompetence. Visitor 3 retaliated. You would like to provoke me, Visitor 1, he said. But the fact is that I destroyed the Andalite force. I shot down their dome ship. I killed Prince Elfinger. And I heard his dying screams. And now I have eliminated the last pathetic rabble of Andalites. Visitor 1 just smiled. You want to be Visor One? She asked. You think you can take my title? We'll see. The Council of Thirteen does not like Visors who make mistakes, and you have made mistakes. Be careful of your own ambition. With that, she left uh, with her cold troops. Marco realized Cassie, Tobias, and Rachel didn't recognize Visor One as his mom because they haven't met her before. Only Jake had recognized her, so uh, they kept that realization between the two of them. Marco got up to his feet. He asked Jake not to tell the others what they know, not even Cassie. Jake reassured him that he would keep Marco's secret. Visitor 3 remarked that he could use six more Andalite bodies for his lieutenants, looking over the Animorphs, and then Axe exploded, shouting back at Visitor 3, uh, basically a fuck all, which gave <laughs> the big baddie pause. He asked why Axe, who was an Andalite child, um, is the only one who actually speaks for the other five Andalites, and why do they still hide in their morph? Visitor 3 shrugged, though, and commanded that they all be taken to a holding cell. They were taking, they were taken to prison, and uh, surprisingly, one that was large enough to actually fit Rachel's elephant morph, and once they were in there, they calculated they had 36 minutes left of their morph. They talked about um, their escape, uh, but it was rather pointless. There were hundreds, maybe thousands of controllers on this mothership, and no possible way for them to fight uh, all of them. So basically, Marco's just still hung up and in, in not really focusing on anybody. He's thinking about his mom. He had, went down a dark, deep hole of, was she actually a controller for the last years? She was with him and his dad and all those memories he has of her over the last few years. Were they actually her or was it the um, yerk that was inside her brain that was, you know, kissing his father, <laughs> which is a disturbing <laughs> thought. Yeah. Like, and, and that kind of goes back to, um, when Marco had his nightmare and he was like, and uh, and his dad, you know, woke him up and was like, was it about mom? And he's like, well, it wouldn't have been a nightmare, would it? And that kind of throws everything or throws all of that into doubt because like, what, were all those happy memories of her 
Yeah. Good. Like, when, like when, when, her or yeah. was she infected anyway, at the time? That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> Words are hard sometimes. They were trying to concoct a plan to escape with their ant morphs uh, when the door to the cell uh, opened. Hork Bajir in gold uniform stood before them. Lying at their feet were red uniformed Hork Bajir. They were either dead or unconscious. The lead gold Hork Bajir spoke to them, instructing them to now just go down the hallway, down to the guard station. There would be a couple guards there. Uh, and they're, they're, from there, there are four hallways and take the farthest left. And then you're going to escape going down a drop shaft. Take the drop shaft down 15 decks and you'll find escape pods. He's just pretty blunt and direct to them. He told Rachel she would need a demorph to get into the pod. The pods are programmed to return uh, them all to the planet, the same coordinates where they were captured. And then the pod will self-destruct. They're really, Re- yeah, they're really lucky. <laughs> yeah, this is the most, this is the most luck-based fucking thing in the whole series but i really like how it is character driven it's not like oh and then the bomb didn't explode it was a dud or whatever like it's very much like this is giving us world building it is giving us characterization yeah it's space politics that they are going to use to their advantage like forever so yeah yeah uh deus ex machina isn't always bad (laughs) (laughs) kids realize this wasn't a trap uh it was space politics. Visor 1 <laughs> wants them bears Visor 3 by uh, letting his prisoners escape. Yeah, and if it was, like, why would they have a trap for them? They already have them. Mm-hmm. The gold uniforms left, uh, letting the Animorphs escape from their cell. They had 18 minutes left in their morph. Rachel squeezed her elephant form through the hallway and shouted, All right, now let's see who wants to try and stop me. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> They reached the guard station and opposed. Uh, a taxon and two hork guards were surprised as the Animorphs uh, ran at them. Rachel crushed the taxon, and then half a dozen uh, hork and red uniform- uniforms heard the commotion, so they came running. Marco punched a hork lights out, and Axe sliced off a hork arm with his scorpion tail. Marco called over, good one, Axe. And Axe is like, you as well, haha. And Marco decided then he kind of liked Axe. I really, li- I wrote in my notes that this is like a Gimli and Legolas moment, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess this isn't a spoiler, but because it doesn't happen. But originally, so we have six Animorphs and Jake and Cassie are together and Tobias and Rachel are together and the original idea was to have marco and axe get together but they weren't allowed to have out gay characters thanks scholastic well the the thing too with i mean at least with uh axe axe can morph into any Gender, i mean i feel like yeah. he can like change whatever you know genitalia he has to fit marco's desires <laughs> <laughs> so, well i also feel whatever like marco ends up want. i feel like and I don't want to be like, well, anybody who's phobic or like very vehemently straight is just a gay person in the closet. But I feel like they're kind of doing that for him right now, where he's like, Cassie and Rachel say that Axe is cute. I wouldn't know because I'm a dude with dude disability. No, yeah, no homo, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I, I I dig Marco as like bisexual. We need some bi representation up in here. <laughs> yeah. No erasure. Um. So yeah, I. I used to be like, no, I don't really see it, um, but I definitely feel like they were like, well, maybe someday, you know, Scholastic will let us do it. And 
they sadly did put. Hmm. It'd be cute. These are also 13 year olds. Yeah, that's the other <laughs> thing. It's, well, it's already like. Date. But no, but to, exactly. And to be fair, they had the whole Cassie Jake thing. So if they did a Mark Wax thing, it would also be just as appropriate. Yeah, and they have another interspecies relationship already right now, kind of. Um, yeah. What are you saying yeah, about my, the my, Rachel my, Hawk? Mine was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Hawk and a cat there, uh, Morgan. <laughs> Two predators. Uh, yeah, I feel like I, yeah, it's sad that they weren't able to do it. And I'm really happy that they tried because uh, I don't feel like other people were trying at the time in 1996, um, you know, especially with how they've put their money where their mouth is with other things uh, future. So anyway, the author. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> so they're so still going down the hallway. Yeah. Rachel, Rachel stomps some folks. Yeah. Rachel stomping Marco and Axe are just like, hey, good on you, you know. Uh, taking out Hork Bajirs right and left, the both of them. Rachel's elephant morph has a hard time moving around because of her size, so she continues to lead all of them down the far left hallway. Jake, as a tiger, took out two Hork Bajir, two more of them. Uh, Rachel then finds the drop shaft and falls down it, and uh, it's kind of like being in an elevator without a floor. So she's like falling, going, what the hell? And Axe uh, tells her through mind speak uh, to think of a, a number and stop uh, at it. So apparently the elevator shaft can understand thought speak commands, like basic ones. Which is funny because it's like the only person who does thought speak on this it's, is Andalite. Which right. makes sense as to like, he's like, I need my personal spaceship to also obey thought speak commands. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so if the elephant uh, elevator was anything like, uh, sorry, got elephant and elevator and came up with elevator, was anything like an Andalite ship, uh, this one would work the same as, uh, way, which is, yeah, also, again, Yurks and Andalites are they? Their technology is super similar. How huh? weird. Okay, uh-huh. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but the Yurks white walkers and they just went awry. They uh, So they need to go down 15 decks. The rest of the Animorphs jump into the drop shaft as well, pursued by hork and uh, some other alien controllers that they hadn't identified yet. Yeah, they said there's like three other species, and I'm like, uh, what other species? Okay. Yeah, no, there's like some gray, <laughs> or wrink- no, it's not, it's like, these ones are like wrinkled alien species, they're short and they're wrinkled and they're going after them, but that's all the description we really got. The Animorphs were slowing to the 15th deck, uh, and hork was pursuing them down the chute, falling after them faster and faster and gaining. So Tobias flies up and claws at his eyes, and the pursuer then continues to fall past them as they exit off on their floor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rachel um, starts to morphing as they cross the deck. As a half-human and half-elephant, uh, she wasn't walking very well. Marco, as a gorilla, scoops her up and carries her to the skate pod. They all wedge in, and they have six minutes left in their morphs. Jake uh, yells for them to demorph as the escape pod launches from the ship and they approach Earth, leaving the mothership behind. Marco uh, has obviously a new commitment to the cause. Someday, he said, humans and Andalites would defeat the Yerks and free all of the slaves. Someday. Last chapter. Back on Earth the following day, Marco and his dad visited his mom's grave. They both cried, standing there together. And Marco narrated, you probably wouldn't think that I was the kind of guy who would cry. Mostly I don't. Mostly I make jokes about things. It's better to laugh than cry, don't you think? 
I do. And then Marco's dad spoke up through the silence, admitting that these last two years he has not been a very good father to him, and that his mom would not be happy with how he has acted over this time and hasn't he feels like he's fallen short for his son. Marco stays silent, there really wasn't anything he could say to this, and his dad continues saying he talked with his whole old boss Jerry about getting back to work full time. Uh, back at his old job working with computers. So it's like computer engineering, right, Morgan? Yeah. Okay. Something like that. Yeah, it's vague. Something. It's vague, folks. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's not, it's just, I can't remember. <laughs> I did say <laughs> there are no coincidences, but. <laughs> um, they hug and walk away from his mother's grave. Uh, the grave of a woman not dead. I am so sorry right now. We're trying. This is a like <laughs> moment, and you can probably hear on the mic. My dog found his uh, bone rawhide that he loves to chew, and it's like coming through the mic. <laughs> I was gonna say he's really moved by the scene because he was like whining earlier. <laughs> yeah, he just whined, and then That's he right. found the bone, and now we're he's, pet friendly yeah. podcast, you guys. Yeah, we like uh, the animals. Yeah. Sorry. Let's get back into the zone. It's a sad moment, hopeful, <laughs> and then it's they walk away from his mother's grave, the grave of a woman not dead uh, marco knew that he would find her someday and see i a couple things i wanted to note was that uh the beginning of this chapter he says i guess there's no such thing as a ni- nice graveyard but the place where my mom is remembered is as nice as it can be so it's like the place where my mom is remembered i like how he they phrase that really nicely knowing that she's not dead <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah and oh his boss's name is jerry i don't know if we need to remember that at all but also in the original Marco says, so why did I always kick your butt whenever we played Doom? And uh, again, could have kept it. (laughs) (laughs) Doom came out last year. Doom Eternal, baby. (laughs) Still works. (laughs) So yeah, those are my two Um, points. I'm glad Marco's dad is going to get his shit together, hopefully. I know, yeah. Like, I fucking get it. It fucking sucks. But yeah, like, you got a kid to care of. Yeah, that's a lot of my thing. It's like, you gotta, like, like, you, you, like, it sucks for parents sometimes where it's like they're people too, but it's like you can't always afford to be caught up in your own Shit. stuff yeah. or mental health because like uh, like another person like relies, relies on, on you. you for survival. Yeah. And, the yeah. show. It's like gotta go to work depressed and do the gig. Yeah. Which is I would yeah, totally hard. understand though if you can't do engineering while depressed because that's like a, a mentally intense thing. But like janitoring, not as mentally intense. So yeah, physically intense. Yeah. Still should be paid the same. Hot take. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Pay our workers more. Indeed. So what did you, you guys liked this one? I feel like a lot of stuff happened, but they definitely took some moments to like slow down and have some Marco moments. TM. <laughs> I, I, li- I like this one. I think this one is my favorite book so far. I still like Cassie's book better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like. These are both really strong books. And then we're going to, like, we've met all the kids. We have all their motivations. And now we're going to get into the psychological horrors of war. Ready? <laughs> and break. <Woo. laughs> so the next book is number six, The Capture. Uh, the only kind of really trigger warnings I have for this are just general psychological unple- unpleasantness. Oh, great. <laughs> so there's no, like, physical violence that I can remember, just psychological unpleasantness. All right. Is this the <laughs> insect one? It is the fly. Ah, okay. The fly, uh, which they make reference to a fucking lot. These kids <gasps> are too young to have seen the fly with Jeff Goldblum. They're Jeff too young. Goldblum. 
<laughs> Which I, it's funny because I, I saw The Fly with Jeff Goldblum for the first time during quarantine last year. When I grew up, I saw the original The Fly, which is like in black and white, which ends with like, help me, help me. Like that one where the fly, the fly with the human head is stuck on a web uh, at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they reference both quite a bit. <laughs> so uh, that's Some of my taste. And then fun. just like a general programming note. So we're doing Six the Capture, then we're doing book seven, and then we're going to do Megamorphs number one, The Andalite's Gift, which is like an offshoot book. So, uh, yeah, and then that's just going to put us one space away from doing Axe's book. Sorry, but we'll get there. That's the, the <laughs> fucking motto of this podcast. We'll get there. We'll get there. So <laughs> is Axe's book just all about, you know, reviewing Starbucks drinks? Yes, and cin- mostly Cinnabon. Lots of Cinnabon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's his favorite. Uh, and also eating globules. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. You can find me on Twitter at Morgan underscore Slay. Uh, you can also find our podcast on Twitter at Middlemore. Um, if you want, you can check out my podcast about Reddit, which is called Are You Serious? Are the letter you the word serious pod on Twitter. If you like some drama, some non animal related drama, most of the time, but sometimes it is. <laughs> Need the drama, mom. Yes, mostly human drama, sometimes animal drama, like this week. Uh, Jason, where can people find you? People can find me on the Twitter base network thing web um, <laughs> at the internet. Uh, bottomus underscore prime. And that is again bottomus underscore hey, can prime. You spell that? I promise. I was trying to find you the other yes. day and I couldn't. Okay. It's, it's exact. It's. B O T T O M U S underscore P R I M E. I am the leader of the Autobottoms, and we must destroy the Deceptotops. <laughs> also, uh, both of our Twitter handles are linked in the bio at Middlemorph. So, uh, Kate, what about you? I am not on social media. So, you know, if you're like a vampire and you can call me out uh, through the ether and connect with me that way this is uh, what we do in the shadows reference and we could uh yeah catch up uh on those wavelengths or you can email us at uh, middlemorph podcast at uh, gmail.com middlemorph at gmail.com yeah. middlemorph at gmail.com ignore the other address it won't lead you anywhere <laughs> i really don't want you to contact me <laughs> uh are there roaming chargers for using the ether uh only if you have verizon you know, they suck. <laughs> I feel like Guillermo would be the one that pays for that. <laughs> yeah. Also, additionally, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. That super duper helps us out. We would love to get an audience. <laughs> Connect with more Animorph fans. My talent, my comedic genius <laughs> deserves to be heard. I am not entitled. It's just a crime. And I'm a teacher. I need positive reinforcement. Please. <laughs> Let's get her sponsored. Just, Let's get her out of the game. a month ago and I am tired. Um, <laughs> and tell your friends if you think they would like Animorphs. The sirens are coming because I... My neighbor morphed into a gorilla to save our, an elderly person from being kidnapped. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, that's in the background. <laughs> a scandal. <laughs> All right, well, you gotta go morph and uh, help them out, Morgan. Yes, I do. I do. Mm-hmm.